0: welcome to better money a show that points an x-ray at folks driving capital and driving change people working for better money i'm noelle carl brown and i come from the for-profit world
1: I'm Jefferson Smith, and I come from the nonprofit world. We're joined today by Heather Howitt, now the chief of Taiwala, an Oregon-based company, the person who brought the world Oregon chai before selling it back in 2004. And the studio smells really good right now. Heather, welcome.
2: Thank you so much, Jefferson, for having me today.
1: Tell us about Taiwala and how much tea do you drink on a regular basis?
2: (laughs) Okay, I also drink a lot of coffee. Okay. And after the coffee, I graduate to tea all day long, probably of all all different kinds. Thai tea uh is quite decadent though, so you kinda have to, you know, it's, it's like an a investment. dessert.
1: It's it's a, yeah, it's it's equipment.
2: Yeah. Uh but I've just always loved Thai tea. And um I've been drinking it at home actually for decades. I would go to Uwajamaya and buy the one pound bags and bring it home and make it. And um, but I've always been curious when I saw the ingredient label. I thought, huh, that's funny. I really feel like there's more in here than um, what they're stating. And I love this stuff. I'm not dissing it. But at the same time, you know, you open up the bag and you smell chocolate and vanilla. But you don't see that in the label. Anyway, um, I've been drinking it forever, like I said. And finally, um, I decided I needed to figure out what was in it. And um, so I was drinking Thai tea.
1: Yeah, it was Thai tea, but it was what well, off the shelf, like not your kind.
2: You buy a bag of dry loose leaf tea. Yep, uh, it's tea with some other things in it. And you don't flavors. know flavors? It. No, it's it's got flavors and fillers and colors. I love this stuff, but yeah. right. I just know that there's more <laughs> something else in there mm. than maybe what they're stating. In the the, the, the chocolate and vanilla.
1: You don't know if it's genuine chocolate or vanilla. You don't know kind of what because it's not on the bag. I'm guessing it's, it's artificial.
2: Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it, but I can smell it. I just know it's there. I, yeah. you know, I know the flavors. Wajima is pretty, pretty special. I mean, how did you actually translate it?
0: Because usually on the bag itself, it's in Japanese, Chinese, Thai. Like, how did – was it maybe well, a poor translation? Uh, well, it
2: says green tea oh, okay. and red dye. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I thought, well, one, it's not green tea. Yeah. <laughs> and – I smell other things in there, and I see. I mean, that was all that things. was in the
1: ingredients. It just said green yeah. <laughs> green tea and red dye. Yes, and you're like, that's not real. That's there's more to it than this.
2: Yeah, and so I went online and I found that no one's questioning this. Yeah, they were, and just I it it, yeah. They were just taking it for granted. Yeah, yeah, taking it's it as magical written. tea leaves.
1: <laughs> Seriously. It's colored green, and therefore it's green tea.
2: Actually, their green tea is bright green. It's colored green. <laughs> But this tea is colored red. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Um, uh Uh-huh. It's a flavored, you know, tea drink. They call it Thai milk tea, actually. Right. And in Thailand, they'll add different kinds of milk that they have on hand, like powdered milk, Mm -hmm. evaporated milk, Mm -hmm. and sweetened condensed milk. Yeah
0: is it similar to the royal milk tea they call it in japan same yeah. same yeah, same. yeah. yeah. like what's royal
2: yeah royal <laughs> ancient. <laughs> not ancient not ancient
1: and so you go into gumshoe mode to determine what's in there you're you're going to blow the lid off of the tea additive scandal
2: well so i, I wouldn't call it a scandal i was just you know curious yeah. i love the stuff i just have to I'm curious and maybe a little ocd am obsessive when it comes to my you know beverages and mm-hmm. certain food mm-hmm. products as well. But um, anyway, I was like, huh, you know, I know something else is in here. I'm, I'm just going to try and I'm just going to start pulling this apart and mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. Uh, I did go to a food scientist early on. She said, OK, you know, I might be able to help you, but um, I'm also a mandatory reporter for the FDA, so I'm going to have to report this oh and i said oopsie poopsie i didn't mean to get anybody into trouble i just you wanted were to know the gumshoe
1: you whether you admit it or not you were the gumshoe oh
2: but anyway um
1: where do you find a food scientist by the way
0: uh in portland it can't be too hard you like, throw you're... a rock and you're gonna hit one okay
1: <laughs> so you contact the food laboratory people and you and you say we're gonna i want to know what's in this and they say sure i'll let you know and i'll let the fda know
2: well, she said, you know, um, I, I need to report that they're not disclosing their ingredients. But actually, she wasn't able to help me figure out what's in it. Able to help me with other things. I mean, you know. It, yeah. It's it, a mystery. Yeah, it is a mystery. <laughs> I mean, it depends also maybe what you spend on it. If you're going to spend, you know, sure. a million dollars, then yeah. maybe, yes, you could really figure out exactly what's in yeah. it. Yeah. But um, I wasn't going to do that. But anyway, I started taking the tea and sending the tea to various importers and saying, hey, you know, that I know from the industry. Can you find me some of this? And everyone said, I don't know what that is. That's not tea. You're on your own. And uh, so I ended up going to Thailand with a woman who's from Chiang Mai. And uh, we before we went there, we sent letters in English and Thai mm-hmm. to tea growers, everyone that we could find, and then went and visited the ones that responded and uh, I found an amazing tea supplier way up north near the Myanmar border. And um, she was the last place I went. And what I noticed about her her property was it was swarming with bees. There were bees everywhere and wow. dragonflies and butterflies. And it felt like a Disneyland set. And I had yeah. visited other organic uh, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah tea places. And they were beautiful. And I'm taking pictures thinking this is the most beautiful place in the world. But afterwards where's the when knife? I saw this place I thought there were I didn't see any insects mm. like nothing and hers was just thriving. And then we're touring her property on her four wheel drive and we go past this building. She said, Oh don't look at that building. It looks terrible. I went to paint it eight years ago when the bees had moved in and were taking over so I
1: let I it left go. it to them. She let the bees win. Yeah. And so it's covered with these the giant bees could, mounds. Win one. It could use one. It was useful to let the bees win a couple.
2: For sure. I mean she's a smart She's a farmer, so she knows the value of her bees. But anyway, that's when the love affair began, because mm. um, it really spoke to me, because in the early Oregon chai days, we used to use honey as mm-hmm. a sweetener, and uh, that was the beginning of this global honey shortage, Priceous, yeah. bee shortage. At the time, they thought it was a mite in the hives. Uh, it's herbicides and pesticides. And they say the it's you know a perfect storm of other things, but I'm going to say it's herbicides and pesticides. Not like I'm an expert on it, but that's uh, that's what I that's my takeaway. But anyway, so at the time at Oregon Chai, we had to switch from honey to organic cane, and um, I voted no because I was sure that our business was going to collapse um, based on this news and. Uh, I was outvoted and we had to go to organic cane and we only got like one we got one phone call complaining about it. anyway um that but that's when I got.
1: You started paying became, a lot of attention to bees.
2: Started paying a lot of attention to bees, yeah.
1: You thought that the consumer of Oregon Shy when you moved to Cane Sugar was gonna abandon you yes. once you went away from honey. But yes. it turned out you'd built a strong enough brand, you had enough and your motives for the change were good enough that people stuck with you and nobody really one person complained.
2: Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if it was because of my motives. I just think people, you know, were just drinking it and didn't really notice, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um so the, yeah, so again, the, the bee spoke to me. And um, my grower, she also grows uh, organic pandan leaf for me. Oh. And she folds that into the tea when we order it because tea absorbs flavors and it mm. absorbs that flavor. And then we bring the tea over here in containers and brew it. And then we send the tea brew to the packing facility where we add the rest of the ingredients and make it into the concentrate. And then sell to distributors, who sell to grocery stores and cafes, and things so like cool. that. Just since May first, so we're still pretty new, but we've wow. been approved at about two thousand stores. Congratulations! Awesome. Thank you.
0: Congratulations! That's for better for worse. How do you find a grower? Oh, the tea grower. Yeah. Well. You go to Thailand with your friend from Chiang Mai. <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and you, you walk go around. In that,
0: no. You throw a so, rock
1: and you hit a food scientist and a tea grower. There's I, a lot of that. I don't
2: know. I know someone here um, whose father was the ambassador to Thailand and is just super well connected in Thailand. And he introduced me to this woman. Her husband actually is the was the ambassador to Vietnam oh. for many years. Her father was the like famous... Loved mayor of Chiang Mai. And um, so I went back there with her. That's good. And, uh, yeah. You went with a dignitary. Yes. <laughs> That's important. It helped.
0: Mm-hmm. Who's tired. your target market? Anyone who loves tea? Or do you have a avatar in mind? a consumer? Well,
2: Thai tea is one of the number one selling bubble tea flavors. Mm-hmm. So if anyone is familiar with chai, it's likely to be a kid mm-hmm. who's had it as bubble tea. Or you know maybe an adult that's been to Thailand or had it in a Thai restaurant, but it's it's a bubble tea thing. Even though in Thailand they don't drink it as bubble tea, mm. just drink it iced or hot. But so I would say it's the Gen Zs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might be. I've got a teenager at home, she and all of her friends like it, so I'm sure all teenagers like it. <laughs> but. Uh, Yeah, I'd say it skews younger for sure, and that's just because of bubble tea. It's where the awareness is. But there's more awareness, I would say, of Thai tea than there was of chai tea back in the early 90s. No one knew what that was, and that was a really tough
1: sell. And and let's go back to that, because that was, to me, my first awareness of chai tea, I think it was because of you. I think it was because of Oregon chai was when it started getting on my radar screen more. I'm a person of relatively conventional tastes. But, yeah, talk about the origin of Oregon chai and how you started on your tea journey. So that's a weird question how you started your tea journey, but you have, you have a tea journey. That's I what I kind of
2: do. I mean, for such a coffee drinker, I, I do have a tea journey, but anyway, so I went to uh, I was I was 20 years old, so like 1990. Ew, how old? Yeah, yeah. yeah, early <laughs> 90s. No, it was late 80s. I was traveling in Asia. I went to Thailand, and I'm drinking Thai iced tea everywhere. I'm like, I love this stuff. I want to make this at home. And then I went to India and started drinking chai, and it was like, I love this stuff. I want to make it when I get home. And I went home from India, so I started making chai. It's top of mind. I went to Powell's Books and looked up a ton of recipes. It was kind of pre-internet, really. <laughs> and um, just to get the concept down, to see that you you brew the spices for like 45 minutes, and then you throw the tea in just for a few minutes, and... Anyway, so with that, I started making chai every single day and kind of forgot about the Thai iced tea for a while. My mom got hooked on the chai as well. And I would say, you know, we should just start a business doing this because I didn't want to make it every day. It was a pain in the high knee And I just <laughs> wanted to buy like a cup. There was a guy making it in Santa Cruz, selling it all over. And so that's where I started drinking like, you know, four cups a day and spending all my food money on chai. And when I came back to Portland, there was no place to buy it. So I started making it every day and then eventually selling it. But I always wanted to do Thai tea, too. But Thai tea was confusing to me. I didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew it had these other flavors, but I didn't know where they came from. And they weren't listed on the ingredient label So it's just a huge mystery. So uh, I put it on the back burner. Um, And then about five years into Oregon Chai, we uh, brought in some VC money to help us grow. We brought in a senior marketing person from Nestle. And uh, he wanted to do some (laughs) – I don't mean to rip on him. I won't say names. You're so great. I love you. You're out there listening. But um, (laughs) – He wanted to do an iced tea program for the summer because sales were pretty seasonal for chai. Mm-hmm. You know, sales are heavier in the winter and the colder months. People, people want to warm their yeah. hands. And so I said, awesome, let's do a Thai iced tea. This is the time. This is the moment. And he said, uh, we're going to do a lemon iced tea and a peach iced tea and a raspberry iced tea. Mm-hmm. I was womp. like, womp, <laughs> yeah. womp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, not like I think about it every day. I chip on my shoulder. No, exactly. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Anyway, it bugged me that I knew by looking at Mm -hmm. it, by smelling it, that there was more in there. And, um, you know, you go online and everyone has the answer. Mm -hmm. They'll tell you exactly what it is. It's black tea with coconut milk. The secret is pineapple or something like they'll throw on something tropical. (laughs) Random. no. That is not it. Just yeah. smell it. It's right. just Redditors just predicting the end of it. Game of
1: Thrones. They don't know. Yeah,
2: for crying out loud. Uh, but so, what they do um, is they take the black tea. The tea grower uh, sells the leftovers, basically, the stash at the bottom. They'll sell it to flavor companies. Flavors, the flavor companies take the tea and then spray it with artificial flavors, colors, and fillers. Oof. Not even, like, judging. No judgment there. It's just yeah. what it is. There's
1: judgment there. Well, there's a allowed to have judgment there. Why aren't you allowed to have judgment there? Aren't we allowed to have judgment there? What's wrong with having judgment there?
2: Well, uh... Jefferson has judgment there. Yeah. Because you don't want to offend you know, them? Is
1: that the thing? Because later they might be the purchaser?
2: Well, it is later what they, I, it is what I fell in love with. You. And, uh, you know, Thai tea, like, again, like chai tea, it doesn't have this, you know, ancient history. It's basically as old as artificial flavors. Uh, uh, you know, it was something but, to do with the leftover tea. And yeah. So, it's so like what 10, if you 10 10 could
0: is, like oranges. remake it right into something that wasn't sprayed artificial, but was that, yes. the, was that the Genesis?
2: That was okay. the Genesis. That okay. was the idea to make a natural version of it. Cool. So I went and found the organic tea mm. and, um, added the pan and leaf. It's a little, you know, it's got my own spin on it, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's almost into- Oh, like for example, the orange food coloring is beta carotene uh-huh. from carrots.
0: Nice. Versus the red dye. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's good for you. Well, how
1: it so with Oregon chai, my guess is it was something like finding the old world way of doing it and then trying to bring that here. Uh-huh. With this, it sounds like you were, you were looking at the artificial way of it being done recently and then trying to re engineer an organic way of doing it.
2: Also, I think you know. Yeah, it's it's so how it's like Tang. Like yeah. I'm not even trying to. <laughs> it is like Tang. Yeah. So yeah. you know what Tang is to orange juice. Yeah. Right. Thai tea is to tea. Yeah. Got it. Flavored tea.
0: Gosh, it's so. Um, it reminds me of in my family where filipino by background and we make this thing called but and so it's a it's a sweet mochi rice and you wrap it in banana leaf oh yeah right? and so to your point about this pandan leaf yes. same thing pandan. what pandan like what is that smell and yet if you ate it just alone it wouldn't taste the same but no. that essence is there yes and we my cousins and i we would watch you know grandma's version of the making and then we would go how do we make this a little bit healthier, yeah. <laughs> a little less uh, artificial, <laughs> and um, actually source banana leaves that haven't been sprayed, you know, all these things. Um, but that, I feel like that's exactly the narrative that this generation wants, particularly your target market, which is, you know, Gen Z, who's saying, gosh, I love my bubble tea, but I also don't want it to be nasty slash artificial. And here you are with taiwan so what is what does this look like for you, though? What does better money look like to you as, as it relates to your tea or just in life? What is kind of our philosophy? Help, help us define what success would look like to you.
2: Well, you know, I wish I was motivated by money. I'm not, clearly, because I'm doing this again. I mean, Oregon <laughs> try was a good ride for sure.
0: Can I give you an idea?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, please.
0: Ready? Ready for my um, elder millennial idea. I think you should create something called the T-influencer, the T-influencer, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and you have um, Gen Zs going out in the world, experiencing their Thai you know, as part of their everyday life, posting to Instagram their Thai moments, Thai moments, and the winner with the most likes gets to go with you to the grower. Oh, to and the help bees. create Yeah, to meet the bees. Exactly. Yeah. And there terrible. you go. There's I mean, particularly I want to be that person. Started, but <laughs> out, to me
1: it started out like Firefest and then it got good. Like like the story you just told. I, I I'm down with it. Once I got As to long meet as the bees. there's a crescendo. Yeah.
0: <laughs> meet the bees.
2: Yes. I mean, that would be cool. I know that's a really good idea. Uh,
0: Influencing—that's a real thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know. And this is your
0: target market. No, thank goodness you have teenagers. Mm-hmm. Teenagers. T. Ta- oh my god. <laughs> yes, do <laughs> it. <laughs> the I'm uh, sorry. Teenagers. Oh my gosh, yes, get them in yes. a room. Your advisory council. I know. Seriously. Okay. Really good idea. Anyway, so this I'm is me about... just wanting to go to Thailand with you. Uh-huh. Actually.
1: Uh-oh. So I want to talk about the serial nature of your entrepreneur, your entrepreneurial journey. Okay, why did you just? What I find one of the things I find interesting is you start and then finish Oregon Shy. You start and I don't know what happened. Attempt.
2: We sold it at a loss. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then and now you didn't get rich off that. And now you've started again. Why did you sell after that do chai? it again? Well, I can understand why if. Or if Tempt wasn't the raging success you'd hoped it would be. I can understand why you'd start that again. What I'm interested in is why you sold Oregon Chai. And because it wasn't because you didn't want to do anything anymore. You clearly still want to do things. Of
2: course. I always want to do things. Uh, Well... So Oregon Chai, originally I thought I would never sell it, that like my kids would work there and their kids would work there. And forever we'd just, you know, have Mm. our climbing wall and our punching bag like we did. It was a fun place (laughs) back in the day. So we brought in some outside capital from a VC group, $4 million. And – Originally, when we did that, I thought, okay, we can just continue to, if, if they want out, we can find someone to buy them out at a later date and, you know, just keep buying out whoever wants to get out. But things did change. I mean, it was it was nice having this marketing budget, for one, um, but they took down the climbing wall and they took down the punching bag, and then they implemented a random drug testing policy. Oh. And... <laughs> Sorry. Things just got a little weird
1: right.
2: And uh, there was a little issue in the deal that was actually a mistake mm. that we didn't catch until years later. Um, it was around uh, participating preferred chairs. Uh-huh. And basically, when a company um, is desperate for money, y- you know you might raise, say, four million bucks. And then pay them back if and when you sell the company and then give them interest for every year that they were involved. And then their shares convert to common Mm -hmm. and they get paid again. And it's a really nice deal for them. Uh, And a totally legit practice for sure. But at the time, Oregon Chai didn't really need the money. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, again, it was really nice to have and just to start marketing and hire people is fantastic. But... At the same time, we knew that we risked change, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I'd have a boss now. I'd have to mm-hmm. report to. Um, anyway, uh, three years later, we uncovered this little mistake in the deal, and um, my board chair was really upset about it and wanted to sue. And, and what
1: you learned was that the, they had been given these preferred shares, this class of stock that allowed them both to convert. And to get the money from the conversion With and interest. then to still have the ownership share of the stock as if they had just bought stock. Yeah. Got it. So it's the double kind, dipping, maybe. Yeah. The kind of deal that you'd sign if you were desperate. Yeah. But when you sold, you weren't desperate.
2: Yeah. And it wasn't in the term sheet. It was clearly just a mistake that had been added after the fact. And I had found it one day before, actually. in went over it with my board chair and he said, oh, it's downside protection. Don't worry about that. It's only if the company fails they get their money back, they'll get paid back first. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, anyway, that's, wasn't the case. And, um, whatever you live and learn, but I got fired because of it. And our board chair wanted to sue everybody, wanted to sue the VC guys. He wanted to sue the attorney. i not like, uh, oh. I mean, things were just moving along really nicely. And, I didn't want to sue anybody. It's not really my speed. But um, anyway, I got fired. Wow.
1: And so you got fired from a company. You started. <laughs> yes, I did. Not the first time that's ever happened, but what's that? What's that sort of feel like? What's the dynamic about that? That that's happened many times. It happened, hasn't happened to most people. So give them a give them a look inside the dynamic. What that's like in a family. What's that like in a group of friends? I mean, you've been you were presumably raising money in the early days from friends and family when they were investing in this thing. They were investing in you. They were they they thought of this as you know not Oregon shy, but as oh this is Heather's company. I'm I'm. I'm helping to build Heather's company. Then all of a sudden, Heather's not running Heather's company.
2: Well, some of those people had had an opportunity to get out when the VCs came in. One million of the, one million of the four was used to give liquidity to those that wanted out, and that was fantastic. Which also made me think I could just keep doing that in the future. Yeah, which wasn't necessarily the case. But um, I mean, it, it was it was terrible. Don't get me wrong. I felt. Terrible, but I was still on the board, yeah. Which is actually the most important role um, for me, anyway. So,
1: and you still owned, you know, you still had shares.
2: Yes, and I still had shares, but yeah, I mean, it sucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was not happy about it at all. Uh, you know, but anytime you bring in outside capital, you risk that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what does that mean for you now, as you're as you're creating this this the Thai tea you always I'm, wanted I'm to raising create. I'm money, and, uh-huh.
2: but I, I just, I don't have a choice. And again, this is also a little bit different because with Oregon Chai, I started in mason jars, and plastic mm-hmm. bottles, and gable-top milk cartons for a mm-hmm. while, did a whole bunch of things. And it was, you know, well, we raised, before that $4 million, we raised a half million, which allowed us to go into the aseptic packaging, Tetra mm-hmm. pack at the time we did it out at, Pacific Foods in mm-hmm. Tualatin. yep now they that place has been at capacity for so long and even they outsource and you know co-pack all over the country when they were bought yeah Campbell's mm-hmm. anyway so um, but this time I started straight out of the gate in this aseptic packaging it's great though it's sterile it's mm-hmm. safe it's got an 18 month shelf life you don't have to refrigerate it you can mm-hmm. double stack it. It's – my life before Oregon Chai was garbage and recycling. I was getting my master's at PSU in garbage and doing a waste study for Metro. I'd drive around with garbage haulers and recyclers at 4 o'clock in the morning. That's how I really got to know Portland. Origin story. For real. Nice. And But I also – because I used to think these were terrible, you know, yeah. juice boxes. And that's where I learned that, oh, they're actually really efficient and you mm-hmm. recycle them just like a milk carton. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, they're still not perfect, but they're getting better. You can also get them without the plastic cap. People Mm -hmm. really want this reclosable, Mm -hmm. Um, and they have compostable ones too. So I'm looking at that, but I think it's a lower shelf life, and it's got some issues, but we'll figure it out. Um, Oh, but when you go into this packaging, you know, a minimum run is 30,000 gallons. Mm -hmm. So you can't really just start selling it around town, you kind of need to find some big anchor accounts mm-hmm. that are going to help you, you know, sell through.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, But it's also a lot of money. I've done many tests, like one the brew test. I just brewed tea last week mm-hmm. to produce two 16-ounce bottles. It cost me $17,000. Wow. But it's the nature of the beast. It's just big runs.
0: So how does um, from the time of Oregon Chai until now, how does someone who doesn't have the experience that you have create
2: something like this? It's it's pretty tough, right? You can also call us at Meriwether Group. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I have I've been helping, you know, startups Mm -hmm. since I mean, Mm -hmm. since I started up Oregon Chai. Um, like during, but certainly after we sold Oregon Chai, I went and started, David, my husband, went and started Mary Weather Group. And we've been working mm-hmm. with startups all the time. I don't know how you do it. You know, so the way, I, I think one of the reasons why I was able to do anything with Oregon Chai is... People, I would call people and ask for help, and they'd give me the time of day. There was this guy, Doug, at Sunshine Dairy. I remember calling him, just ask him a couple questions, and he spent a good hour with me Mm. on the phone. And that was like, got me all fired up, and I was ready to go. (laughs) And I thought, I'm going to return that favor for the rest of my life. Mm. So I really enjoy Mm. helping people cut corners because it is so difficult. Mm. But, you know, that's, I think, the difference between, you know, just being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. it's risky. Mm-hmm. It's maybe not – I mean, your chances of success are like 7% or something. But, you know, it's not about the money. It really comes from, like, you're hard when you're really into it. Nothing's going to stop you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been working on this for six years every single day. You wouldn't believe it. But um, – And I haven't paid myself a dime, of course. I've only lost money, pouring money into it. Uh, But there's just something, when you're just really into it, it gets you through all of these really difficult times. Mm -hmm. And as David would say, I'm unemployable anyway. (laughs) So Love you, honey. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Why are you unemployable?
2: But um, why am I unemployable? Maybe I'm just a little... I'd like to have fun in the office. Okay, you want a climbing wall. I want a climbing wall. I want music, people around. Um,
1: uh, I was going to ask about cultural appropriation. I was going to ask about uh, how do you how do you manage uh, bringing to the American market a product that had its origins in another culture that our market wants that you're adding value to the experience, including the cultural experience of being an Oregonian and somebody like me really appreciates it. I'd rather drink this than something with a bunch of additives. Um, and, you know, it's it's uh, when I look at the packaging, you know, I, I, I might think it was in fact a product from overseas.
2: Um, well, I can tell you, I think my tea growers very happy with what I'm doing. It comes straight from her. That's the bulk of it. So I'm just brewing it here and packaging it here. But it's her tea. Hmm. Yeah. Is she,
0: is she willing to kind of be your face for what's happening? And and, do you know what I mean? Like, so is there a way to, to kind of highlight that narrative as you're doing more of the marketing?
2: You are a marketing person. I really like that. (laughs) Uh, yeah, well, again, I'm going to be going back there, you know, next month and, taking photos and videos and I would love to at the same time though I don't I don't want to give her away.
1: No, of course. And and to be to be clear, I don't know the moves here, right? Like, no, like it's just I'm a question. somebody who I grew up on Taco Bell, right? Like mm-hmm. and and later on, you know, like I actually met I met a guy who was actually a supporter of my nonprofit pursuits who like made his money on Taco Bell. I got no you know, I liked eating Taco Bell and I but figuring out, right, how we how we think about our, the stories we tell, the products we make, what the supply chain looks like. How do we fight oppression at the same time that we try to build value? You know, I don't, you know, my glass house doesn't own many stones, uh, but I'm curious about how people think it through.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could ask the same question of Oregon chai. I yeah. mean, at the time, too, you know, I wasn't with Oregon chai. I wasn't trying. I love chai. I came back and I was just trying to make it for myself. Even with this, I was just trying to make it for myself. Um, and we try again. I'm not trying to be some authentic Indian tea. Although in India, everyone has their own family recipe for sure. There is no like one recipe. And I started adding, you know, vanilla bean and fresh ginger and honey and what whatever
1: I wanted to make. So that's another thing. You made this. This isn't somebody's recipe you stole. Like, you made this, and now you're helping other people get it.
2: I wish there was a recipe out there to steal, but they don't exist. And everyone, if you go online, they're convinced that it's just magic coconut milk and...
1: Pineapple.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Magically delicious tea leaves. Um, But it's true. They, They spray it. So it's not like you have dry ingredients separating out. Yeah. Um, so it is kind of tricky. So what are your
1: go oh, ahead? Go ahead. I
0: kind of want to touch on that, Jefferson, because um, cultural appropriation is something that is uh, major. You know, nails on chalkboard for myself, and I can speak for a lot of my friends who that's like, uh, you know, you don't don't want to ever support um, that. Then again, there is so much. Borrowing and so much appreciation and just yeah. What is it appropriation? What
1: is it celebration?
0: Yeah, and and I think that it goes to intention. You know, I think if if you know you make a product with the intention of leveraging the culture for your profitability, people see right through it. But mm-hmm. if you're going in there the way that you've described with this very honest curiosity of just what's in this and how do I learn the story of this and if it's a story that's ugh, not so great um how do we make it great so that pe- more people can love this and appreciate it um not because i say you need to appreciate this culture so much as let's celebrate what this is and i happen to take this journey and in the process i did meet folks from thailand who have a really authentic story and i i want to celebrate them and their voices in this too
2: Yeah, this product has my grower's name all over it. (laughs) I shouldn't say my grower. She's not mine. Oh,
0: but wouldn't it be nice if if she was? Can we be
2: be related? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because you
0: felt that affinity, right?
2: Oh, I love her. No, Mm -hmm. she's amazing. She's super smart. She gives me all the time. She she knows I'm crazy and unemployable. Yeah, perfect. And she's amazing.
1: Suppliers, that's an interesting thing. I hadn't thought about that. And again, being a non profiteer, this hadn't occurred to me very much. I remember when Nike came out with the Livestrong bracelet. Okay. And this was, and if you remember, right, the Livestrong bracelet was a cultural Boom. phenomenon, oh, yeah. right? Everybody yeah. had a Livestrong bracelet, right? A member of the legislature had one on until, like, I think last year. Like, he just kept wearing it. And <laughs> <Jeez>. the, <laughs> it might have been three years ago. We no just kept worse. it on for like a long time, right? The, uh, and I, we called, uh, Nike or maybe somebody at White and Kennedy say, hey, we want to do a bracelet like that for democracy. We want to do a bracelet like that for voting. They said, we're not letting you know our supplier. And it had yeah. never occurred to me that, oh, I get it. They One of the ways they can compete is making sure you don't know where the heck they got their rubber bands from.
0: Oh, in the food space even more so.
1: Right? I mean, like, Ooh. if somebody knows where the secret sauce is, they'll just go get some of that secret sauce. How do you think about supplier relationships and kind of that dynamic?
2: So I... I've talked to a lot of people over Mm -hmm. the years, and I've, you know, it's a huge risk to let people know what you're doing. But I had to take that risk. I've had to ask questions, but and it's relationships. But you know, I've I've exposed myself as well, Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of I don't know, whatever. But you also you can't trademark a recipe, Mm. and all you can do is trademark your brand. So you know,
0: so let's make that brand
2: strong. Right. Eight right.
1: years ago,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was losing an election, and you were going through cancer.
2: Oh yeah. stage zero. The, it's all good. The best Yay. kind. Yeah, the best kind. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I found get. it. I found it. <laughs>
1: the you you to me without even without even being in communication are an inspiration. And now we're in communication, but <laughs> an inspiration as you know. You talked about the exit, which still had some you know, some wonderful outcomes for you, the exit from Oregon Chai, but some of that was also painful. Yeah. And then also wrestling with cancer. What can you tell people about resilience?
2: Oh, my God. Okay, well, I'm going to back up a little bit. Yeah. So the cancer was happening during the temp living harvest thing. Mm-hmm. And I think as an entrepreneur, you get so emotionally tied to your baby. Mm-hmm that you know you have created and like that the attempt was so stressful from the suppliers to just the confusion around what it is people think you're selling you know like whatever weed products not at all what that is um but it just i was really stressed out all the time and uh I almost feel like that stress, like, Mm -hmm. I don't even want to, like, cancel clear, I shouldn't even say it, but it was, you just take everything so personally and internally, you internalize all your stress. Yeah, Yeah. and, Mm. um, anyway, um, but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Yeah. I hope
0: so. Bring in the good juju. Yeah. Mm. Bring back the climbing wall. I know,
2: <laughs> and the hikes. I know, yeah. yes, and the hikes. Mm-hmm.
0: So good. Um, so we have to wrap soon. So let's go on to our rapid round. If we, I, could you know I will
2: say one more thing though. One sorry. like, yeah. Yeah. oh, sorry. No, please. Um, but I think one of the things that's kind of key to doing this whole entrepreneur thing, where you're on your own, you're making no money. Yeah. People think like, oh, she's got her own business. She's rich. Like, no, it's actually the opposite. OK, mm-hmm. it's really difficult. And you, yeah, you're not rich. You're the antithesis. Um, but yeah, and just all kinds of challenges all the time, like that you aren't expecting. And you're always learning. There's always something new, um, which is good. But again, there's always like a new, bigger problem mm-hmm. to have. I think the most important thing is just really to have a sense of humor and yes. know that it's going to happen anyway yeah. <laughs> and just go with it. yeah that's the most important thing. I wish don't ha- let it kill you and give you cancer yeah, for no. crying out loud.
1: I wish your hand motions could be captured perfectly yeah. in audio because yeah, they are re- remarkable.
2: There was some
0: <laughs> beyond jazz hands, and <laughs> yeah ah, oh, so good, Yep. Yeah. um. That's great advice, yeah. What happens next for you, Heather? Are you going to boom, bust, exit?
2: Um, I'm not going to get fired. Yeah, but I am. I, I mean, I'm bringing in money, but it's friends and family. Mm. I mean, uh, there is a point where I'm going to need millions really to launch mm-hmm. this properly, and I'm just hoping I can keep it friends and family. Mm. Not that VCs aren't my best friends.
1: <laughs> but your friends and family have more resource now. Your friends and family are older now than they were when you were doing Oregon Shy.
2: Smarter, wiser, maybe more conservative. <laughs> maybe less like- likely. <laughs> maybe they lost money on living harvest. And now they're not doing that again.
0: All um. right. We're going we're gonna, to, with that, we're going to go right into the rapid round. And so what is a piece of advice you got that still inspires you?
2: Well, don't listen to the naysayers. Like, for example, like trying to raise money. Everyone's like, well, you don't have this and you don't have this and you're never going to. I mean, uh, <laughs> the smart people actually probably should listen, but you just have to follow your heart. It sounds so cheesy. But, you know, again, speaking to that passion. Yeah, That's for me. That's what gets me up and out the door. Hmm. So good.
1: What's the most expensive oh. cup of tea? That you've ever either had a drink of or just been near?
2: That's this morning. And that's from our test run of tea that I did last week. I had a $17,000 four ounce cup of tea this morning. I did. That's it, was the truth. it was delicious. It was delicious. It was so delicious because it, it finally worked. You had the successful run. Yeah. There it is. Best cup of tea ever. It is.
0: What's one thing few people know about you?
2: Well, I did win the Kellogg's Stick Up for Breakfast contest (laughs) (laughs) in like 19, maybe 77. Tell Uh, us more. (laughs) Toucan Sam, lots of rainbows. There was a birdhouse in there. I don't understand. This sounds amazing. Stick up for, what, it was like
1: a drawing contest? I like,
2: won a 10-speed bike, thank you very much. But how did
1: you win it? Like, what is the contest?
2: I uh, drew the best picture. Nice work. The best. I was the winner. No, there, there were 50 of us in the United Shh. States. You won. Toucan Sam, pretty good at, got a pretty mean can Sam.
1: <laughs> there's, there's an area that I did want to explore at least a little bit. It appears that, or I have a curiosity or hypothesis that, your relationship is a really interesting and important part of the story, right? That your that your husband and you have a really interesting partnership. It seems to me, right? And the and I wanted you to talk a little about that. This <laughs> is not a very good question, and we don't even have to even include any of it. But I but it does. He's
0: curious. But you
1: brought it up a couple times. Right, and I know the Oregon chai story. Right, when you're talking about bringing in VC capital, uh, etc. I mean, you know, David, uh, David Howard. You, you guys share a last name. The uh, that his background was like corporate finance and and uh, and being a, being a, a corporate side lawyer. Uh, I just wonder if there was anything about that that was interesting or part of the story or any lessons that might help people inform their own journeys.
2: Well. He was one of those naysayers a little bit. But, no, it's good to have someone to challenge you and really make you think about what you're doing. Uh, Get a real job (laughs) that pays you money.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He was like, what are you doing with this tea thing? Why do you get something that, like, has a 401K?
2: It's true. Well, yeah, again, it's not easy being an entrepreneur in the beginning. You're only losing money. And to have someone challenge you just, you know— strengthens your own convictions. I'm, I know in my heart this is the right thing to do. He's posing a lot of really good questions. I, you should be asking yourself all of those questions. I love it when people kind of attack me and you know, question what I'm doing. It just it makes me look inward. And the best you know. analogy
0: I ever got because I have a similar, very pragmatic husband <laughs> is um, we're the kite and the rock. The more solid and more grounded the rock is, the higher the kite can fly.
2: Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. But um, also, he's, yeah, he's really helpful. Like um, <laughs> He's helpful, us. Oh, well, yeah. But- <laughs> he doesn't only <laughs> attack too. me. He doesn't, know,
1: he don't, <laughs> doesn't only helpful. make me stronger because of the attacks.
2: Well, you know, he's doing the same thing now. Um, get a real job, but at the same time, he's helping me raise money. <laughs> so. It's good. Yeah. Good partnership. Yeah.
1: Mm. Well, Heather, anything we should have asked you that we didn't?
2: So, well, one question people ask a lot of, like, well, Oregon Chai kind of applies now, too, if they are entrepreneurs. So one of the questions was, how did you raise money? With Oregon Chai, um, well, first, there's maxing out your credit cards. Got a $50,000 SBA loan, used my mom's house, my parents' house as collateral, then got a $450,000 investment that allowed us to go into that aseptic packaging and then we got that four million dollars and now i'm in the you know that startup stage again where i'm getting friends and family money
1: and and that's That's what and what's that process look like is just sitting down with people you know and sometimes the people someone else has introduced you to and just making your pitch showing a business plan giving them a slide deck like what does that look like
2: yeah so um i've got an investor deck it's like 20 pages kind of lays out the plan um, like you said, they are investing in the people. Uh, you know, it, it gets easier as you start to, you know, get over some hurdles. Like um, we really just launched this May first. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first stores we went into was like Zupans and New Seasons, mm-hmm. and we're in the stage right now where now we're in Fred Meyer and QFC. Mm-hmm. PCCs and a whole bunch of stores, but are we going to sell through? Um, can we get, can we pull it off the shelves? We need to do demos. Mm-hmm. But the more of that we do, the more that we're out there, the more traction we get, the easier it gets to raise cash.
0: One thing else that um, come, one more thing that comes to mind when I think of my friends and, and business colleagues who are trying to raise money is this. Um, this responsibility you feel? Oh, yeah. can you talk a little bit about how you kind of manage that as a business owner knowing that people are putting their faith in you but they're also making a, an investment that they know they could lose like what is how do you get through that um, that, that feeling of well, responsibility?
2: Also being on the investor side right? when you make an investment you certainly know that you can lose it right? and there's a good chance you're going to. Especially when it's an early stage company. Yeah, you said
1: seven <laughs> percent success rate. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, and maybe a little bit higher if it's ha- you know if you've been successful before, but yeah. it's still minuscule. Um, it's the worst feeling in the world to lose people's money, and I don't take it lightly at all. We had a bunch of investors in Tempt, like Woody Harrelson, Cindy Crawford, Ed Norton, and his brother. I lost their money. Not all of it. Not all of it. But. Um, at least I know well one of the requirements is that you be an accredited investor mm-hmm. so yeah. you have to technically be afford
1: you can afford to lose, lose it, lose it.
2: <laughs> um, but still that doesn't make it feel any better it's just an, it's an incredible responsibility and I think you have to and, I and, and it's also my greatest weakness I cannot ask for money it's impossible for me
1: How do you get over that
2: um, I just ask, David, David, will you help me? <laughs> you,
1: you ask him to ask. You ask him to give you a pep talk.
2: Uh, No, I ask him to ask. Yeah. But uh, it is really difficult for me. But um, at least I know now I feel like, okay, at least I've been doing this for like 25 years now. I've made a zillion mistakes, but at least I'm not going to make those mistakes mm-hmm. anymore. I mm-hmm. do feel like I'm getting smarter now. Mm-hmm. And so I believe with my own pocketbook that it's less risky now that said it's terrifying um, but i'm i'm feeling i'm feeling good but yeah you have to be 100% confident obviously and sometimes you're wrong and that's part of the risk of being an entrepreneur
1: what do you imagine the end the closing scenario for Taiwala the I, I, on my mind is that very recently, New Seasons got sold. And it got sold to a South Korean company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know the people who started New Seasons and the people who started Nature's. And yeah. I don't think their—I ex- know that their plant was not to be sold primarily to something that was a pot of money. And that pot of money not only not being an Oregon pot of money, but not even being a United States pot of money. And the—but at some point, you know— it you don't get to run it anymore. Right. And a friend of a supporter of the organization, uh, started Re- rejuvenation house parts and they got, you know, mm-hmm. sold to William Sonoma. And, you know, you know, there's some sort of connection, at least to the story, etc. Do you just not think about the exit? And I think another, another friend of mine who passed away tragically, you know, his exit was to sell to Amazon. I don't, and at some point he realized that's what his exit was going to be. And he got excited about that. Uh, do you just not think about what the exit might be? That's way down the road. You want to actually make something. You're not just trying to build something to sell it. You're trying to build something to build something. Or do you think about the exit?
2: I'm definitely trying to build something to build something. And I'm thinking five to ten years out for sure. Um, selling. So I, I, um, anytime you bring in money, those people, uh, you know, it's with the intention of growing it, growing it and giving them, you know, back a... Much higher multiple. Um, Again, with Oregon Chai, we brought in VC money and clearly they want to exit within, you know, three to five years. Mm -hmm. And I thought, again, at the time that, oh, you know, when three to five years comes up, we'll find someone to buy them out and it's not going to be a big deal. But I was fired. Um, The goal here is to, I mean, I think I'm 51 years old. This might be the last thing I do. I actually really love this, I have so much fun. And I'm actually, I'm traveling a ton too. I'm working really hard. I'm not getting out to Forest Park. I'm surprised that, like, I'm still okay, even though I'm not forest bathing every day. And, um, I enjoy this. I would like to just keep it going and grow and become profitable and big, you know, nice, healthy company that mm-hmm. takes care of its people, um, no, the exit from Oregon Chai was welcome. Again, I was fired. It was yeah. a totally different deal. I would like to avoid bringing in VC capital. To be honest with you, I'd like to keep it, you know, to my friends and family, so that we can make decisions about our future. So yeah, no, I love I love having a, my own company. It's fun. Mm. Again, it's it's really scary. And I'm really poor right now. But um, um, I love it, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. So
1: good. Heather Howitt, thank you so much for spending time. This was delightful for me.
0: Thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.